SQR Podcast, Cole Rosenberg. Tonight is an epic, epic podcast. You know, I'm so honored to be sitting across from not only a mother, a creator, a radio personality, an influencer. God, I got 10 fingers. Let's keep going. All right, let's, let's do it. No, but I am so honored to be sitting across from the one and only Manji. Thank you so much for being here on SQR Podcast. It's an so honor. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's a very interesting conversation we're going to have tonight. Here's why. My normal code of ethics is I don't want to talk to my guests. I don't want to see them until they sit across from me. Okay. But unfortunately, we had a chance to meet. Fortunately. Fortunately, thank you for the correction. Mm-hmm. We had a chance to meet and we had a wonderful conversation at the dinner where we had and met with the entire crew. But tonight, it's about me finding more about Manji. Okay. Thank you so much for being here. Let's just lift these beautiful green bottles. Salute. Toast to that. Mm. Dive right in. My favorite. I'm a big fan of Heineken's. You know, at Rescue Podcast, we speak responsibly and drink responsibly. Absolutely. So Hats. I appreciate you that. So let's just jump right in. Manji, before I even crack into the story and the, find out all the ingredients that makes you up, could you share where people could find you, your social, your social media profile, anything, please? Absolutely, yes. Uh, my name is spelled funny just ahead of time. So <laughs> it's Manji, like you said. Uh, my, at, my Instagram is at Manji, M-A-N-G-Y-E-E underscore R-E-V-E-R-I-E. That's Manji Reverie. That is my radio personality moniker. Um, I host a podcast called The Mile High Sessions, and that's at The Mile High Sessions with the S at the end spelled out, based out of Denver. And um, I am owner of Cloud 7 Studios, downtown Denver, and that at is at Cloud 7 Studios. And that's it. That's where you can yeah. find me. Facebook, I'm pretty sure Instagram. there's some Jamaican in that whole lineage right there. Because you got 20 <laughs> jobs just like I do. Big up yourself, sis. Big up yourself. Oh my God. So let's dig in and find out you know, a little bit more about Manji. So you're this radio personality. And I'm pretty sure your listeners and all your fans think they know you. I don't know. Maybe. Well, let's just find out. Okay. I am very curious. When you enter this beautiful world that we live in right now, what was the family dynamics like? What was the makeup of the family at that time? Of my family? When you came in. When I came into Earth? Yes. (laughs) I'm going that far back. Okay, it's a, I'm Panamanian by birth. Uh, My mother is Panamanian and Sicilian. Oh, wow. My father is Panamanian and Chinese. Ooh. So I'm originally from Panama. Um, my father that raised me is from New York. He married my mother when I was a very, very young baby, and I was whisked away to the United States, and he's a military, he was a military service member, and I kind of spent my entire life traveling the world. Wow. Yeah. So, born in Panama. Mm-hmm. Mom left Panama and came here and met... Well, she met my, my father's military. So he was so already there. he was there. already there, correct. By the way, I will let you know, I have a very sweet spot in my heart for Panama. I visited there. It's amazing. <laughs> so mom and dad hooked up in Panama. Correct. Did mom ever share that connection that when she, when she met him or did he ever share that with you? Now, I mean, in the past. Um, yeah, I think they talk about it all the time. What was it's that like? It's kind of your typical boy meets girl. They okay. dated for a while. I was already born. Right, so right. I really, my father's my best friend. Honestly, I can say that. 
He's definitely my best friend. Although he wasn't your biological father. He not just... at all. But blood was not thicker than water in this case. So I'm very grateful for the man that uh, the universe blessed me with, which didn't have to be blood, but it was somebody so much more powerful and just the ethics he taught me and the places that he was able to take my mother and my, my brothers. I have two brothers in my family. I've seen pretty much half of the world. Wow. So, you know, it's so amazing that you are so appreciative of the role he played. Oh, absolutely. Because a lot of people don't play that role. And I appreciate the fact that somebody stepped up and allowed me to have a pretty dope life. What's his name? His name is William. Can we toast to William? Yeah, for absolutely. Stepping up? He's a Heineken drinker too. Oh, big up yourself, Salute William. to William. <laughs> That's amazing. AKA Pops. <laughs> so you come here to the U.S. Mm-hmm. and you you're situated in the in Brooklyn. New York. Yeah, we're from Brooklyn. My father's BK all day, huh? Yep. Wow. So I didn't live anywhere for more than three years at a time. We moved every three years my whole entire life. I've lived in Virginia. I've lived in Georgia. I've lived in Texas. I've lived in Colorado. I've lived in Germany. Yeah, pull up, 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 Holland, pull up. Yeah. How does that work with making friends and developing long relations? How does that work? I think it depends on the person and what you make out of it. Um, I didn't know that my father wasn't my father until I was an adult. So I was... I was raised to believe that I was just a regular part of nice. a family dynamic. So on one end, I would have appreciated the truth just to kind of know all of the other story. But on the other side, you have to respect that everybody makes their wishes and you can't hold that grudge against them. So I respect that. It is what it is. You know, we can't change it. And I wouldn't have changed it at all anyway because I love my father very much. Wow. I would not have been as cultured as I am if he wasn't. Um, available. Making friends was hard. You moved every three years, like clockwork. Every three years. So you knew what? So every three years, so I knew I was moving. How did that impact your decision when you met somebody at a? I mean, I'm, I'm not talking about a boyfriend type thing, but mm-hmm. just friends. How did that impact that going? You know, you're going to leave in three years, and usually after your second year, that's when the relationship yeah, gets exactly intense. Um, I'm sad that I didn't. I can't say that I grew up in one place and I've known the same people for 30 plus years. As a matter of fact, there's only one person, um, her name is Titi, that I've known for over 30 years. And I met her at one of my dad's earlier uh, duty stations and then Facebook came along and we found each other again. And it's like we never split up. So, but um, you move every three years. On one end, I made a lot of acquaintances. I'm very picky with who I call my friend. So I met a lot of people, Mm -hmm. a lot of personalities. It allowed me to to be able to quickly learn how to deal with multiple people's personalities and adjust to pretty much any situation you kind of threw. It's a, it's a military brat thing. Through an army brat, military brat in. So I appreciated the experience. My brothers, not so much so. They missed the stability. They wanted to have the friends for 30 years. And, mm. you know, military kids are known for rebelling yeah. because I guess they're bored and there's nothing else to do. Wow. But I appreciate the lifestyle. And I, I married into the military and my children are also military brats. Um, so it kind of continued on for a while. And then I just kind of got bored with it. All right, so here's what we're going to do. You kind of dropped and fast forward through Sorry. some things <laughs> that I think are integral to the confidence that you, you just transmit when you come into the room, you Thank know? You. And the reason why I'm being so delicate in dissecting this, there's a little girl, there's a teenager, there's a young woman who is watching this. 
and realizing, wow, that's Manji. And if she can experience it, because when you shared about the moving, mm -hmm. I realized that the flip side of this is what's your brother's perspective. Mm -hmm. I want to stay. I want to. But you embraced it. Yeah, it was very difficult for them. Neither one of my brothers adjusted well to it. They, they were very vocal about not enjoying wow. the lifestyle. I was the opposite. For me, it was an adventure. That's how I looked at it. Can I, I ask you, looking back retrospectively, where do you think you got that adventure eye or that adventure outlook from? Where do you think you got that? Moving around so much, you kind of get used to not sitting still. Um, my parents like to travel. So from a very young age, you were used to that. I was used to it, you know. So you're doing high school, and then you move, and you finish high school somewhere else. And I didn't finish high school. Shed some light on that. I dropped out. It was kind of popular around in the '90s. It's kind of what we did. I didn't finish high school. When you say kind of popular, so there's two type of popular. <laughs> there's the cool type of popular. No, it wasn't cool. It was kind of. I dropped out. Yeah. I was kind of forced. Okay. I feel like I want to poke on that a little bit. But before I do that, let me, a just, funny story. let me just take this quick break. It's your podcast called Rosenberg. I'm sitting here with the Honorable, Her Majesty herself, Manji. <laughs> and we're getting detail, guys. What you're getting right now, you're not going to get anywhere else. Stay tuned. We're going to finish up and to come right back with this wonderful, beautiful conversation as your podcast called Rosenberg Manji as your podcast called Rosenberg can I toast to this Absolutely. This is an epic moment right here. <laughs> it's an interesting conversation. The reason why I say it's an epic moment is because I do know, um, based on what I'm reading, is I can't control the past. Mm -mm. It'd be ridiculous for me to think about the future. Correct. So let me really appreciate the present moment. And that's why I just said that. Thank you so much for being here. Let's continue this little powwow. Dropping out of high school. Mm hmm which is interesting because your father has such a great inf influence on your life. He did. Which meant the family, the basis of the family back was pretty structured. For, I mean, considering the moving around. Mm -hmm. And it would, I would assume that you would embrace high school and just, you know, finish. What, what happened? I liked weed and I liked parties. And <laughs> I went to high up. school when I was in high school. Um, we were stationed in Germany. So I was in high oh. school in a completely... Oh my different God. country, which means that the same rules didn't apply, and anybody that's military and spent any of their any of their years in overseas in Korea, yeah. Asia, Europe, wherever, they know that uh, the rest of the world is a little bit more liberal and allows for different things. And I was more interested in that lifestyle than um, finishing school, so I dropped out. Okay, here's the deal. I do know that those experiences have made this energy force in front of me who she is. I know that off the bat. Okay. If you could go back, would you have finished up high school? Absolutely. Twice. <laughs> I wish I could go back now. No, I would have. I understand now the 
importance of an education. Um, when I say I didn't finish high school, I didn't finish, as a matter of fact, the, the highest grade I got to was the ninth grade. Mm. That's how early I dropped out. So I was pretty much on my own since about 15 because again, it's a quick lifestyle. Yeah. And um, we moved around and I think I matured a lot faster than most people True. do. And was kind of put out into the world. So I didn't finish high school. How did mom and dad handle that? I got in some trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and they sent me to live. It feels like the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. <laughs> they didn't send me to Bel Air. They sent me to Panama. Oh my God! So they sent me to some family. Back when to I Panama. Had out of, mm -hmm. and I hadn't lived there the whole time. So between the military stints, we would get to go home for the summers. We split our summers between my father's family in New York yeah. and my mother's family in, in Panama. And it was every single summer because I think my parents really needed the break. Because <laughs> <It's> <laughs> just I realize that now, but back then in retrospect, it just seemed yeah. like a, a vacation. I get to go home. They would fly us down. Or, or wherever yeah. to where we were going and sometimes they would stay sometimes they would drop us off but I was very used to spending the summers back at one of my homes and it's the closest thing I, I have to a home and people like to argue that a lot I was like well I moved every three years so what is it exactly yeah. that you would like me to I, I yeah. can't tell it any different way but I still had home base you mm -hmm. know and I like that my father was an American I like that my mother was um Panamanian. Central Central American, okay, yep, yeah, pa Panamanian. So I have dual citizenship. I'm Big. bilingual. I speak Big. actually like three languages. And again, it was a lot of experience that came with that. So I appreciated it, actually. I've heard you said I've appreciated it at least five times mm -hmm. since we started. You're going to hear it 50 more. Yo, I love hearing that. You're going to hear it 50 more. I love hearing that. No, big up yourself. So let's go. let's go through this. All right, so you're now a rebel in high school, right Very off the so. bat. Off so the bat. Let's, okay, so we own that. What was the interaction with the boys like? So I'm the only granddaughter out of seven boys. There's okay. eight, wait, there's eight okay. of us, seven of them are boys. So I always got along better with boys. Um, still to this day, still get a lot. I have very select female, and those are my sisters. I don't even call them friends because right. you're that close to me. But um, it was always easier because I was raised by a, a man that I love very much, and he was very hands-on, and I was very tomboyish. All well, that came in, and yeah. again, this is the 90s, so. But I was, I was also asking from the attention of your a possible suitor for you, mm -hmm. you know, because as. Well, what age is this? Well, I mean, you you got kicked out of school. I mean, okay. you dropped out of school at 15. I'm okay, just you know correct. wondering what the dynamics there. Okay. But let's play this role real quick. So I know I'm, I'm interested in Manji. Okay. But Manji got seven soldiers behind her. Mm -hmm. Well, was guys ever intimidated by that? Or they were just... Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> my anybody? first date, my brothers had... Um, my mom had sent my brothers to go behind me. I didn't know they were there. And I went to the movies, and I was so excited because the little boy that took me, nice kid, you know, and my brothers were behind me the whole freaking time. And I didn't realize it till I was walking back home, and they were just behind me talking <laughs> cash <laughs> shit. And I was so embarrassed and upset. With the guy? Was the yes, guy he was oh there. They was God. picking on him. I was yeah. like, oh, oh, my God, oh. no, please go away. But um, yeah, I, I, yes and no. My my cousins also know I hold my own, and they respect that I'm pretty much just as 
alpha as they are. Yeah, big, so, big. I and I like, I like to use you. I like the fact that you use the term alpha because mm -hmm. alpha doesn't specify a gender. No, not at you all. Know, it specifies a personality. Correct. So big yourself up on that. Let's just skip through real quick. So dropped out of high school. So now you're doing your own thing. Mm -hmm. What sparked the movement towards? Well, you know what? Before I do that, what were your interests at that time? Besides being the rebel, what, what, what did you find yourself attracted to? Was it music or you're always not in music. school or? It was always music. So I've had a love for radio since I was a little girl. I used to, I was the kid with the cassette deck, the record, <laughs> pause, stop, <laughs> the yeah. tissue in the, in the little the, hole. Of the, of the TDK exactly. so you can record, yeah. And I would sit and again, I moved a lot. So the only thing that felt like home was the music. Music, music was consistent consistent and it was the most amazing era this is the era where you used to write the lyrics down and go back and read them so, 15 so times. why not why why didn't manji morph into a artist you know why a radio personality i did have my moment as an artist i absolutely did i don't talk about it too often but i had my uh what is that 15 seconds my five seconds <laughs> so let's let's talk about it no okay we can talk about it all right um so now you're you're those rebel. You're you're navigating into your different passions. Now you find this music. This, this is exactly that time. This is about the time that I had dropped out of high school and was exiled, <laughs> exiled. Y'all like that to Panama. <laughs> um, reggae is the music of choice in Panama. Yes. So very heavy influence in my life. Um, again, I used to go every summer, so I was already used to hearing the the Caribbean. Mm. beat you know yeah, so i've yeah. had the influence of of course hip-hop and rap right. and and all of that and then the influence of the caribbean and the reggae and puerto rico does it different than jamaica and yeah, panama yeah, does yeah. it different than Colombia, and you know and at this point really it was only jamaica that was probably yeah we we, we yeah that's our thing yeah, that's exactly. yeah that's our thing and then panama although puerto ricans love to argue with me about this and we'll have this conversation panama was the first one to do it in spanish spanish reggae because okay. literally what they were doing is taking the jamaican reggae and translating it into spanish. spanish oh wow and sometimes they would switch the beats and sometimes they would use the absolute same beat well you know and it was still yeah. the era you know so about this time um Again, I'm American. Everybody knew I was American. Yeah. All the neighborhoods, all the kids, you know. Um, and they had said, hey, did you ever think about singing? And I was like, no, because I'm not a singer. You right, know? right. They're like, well, we need a female to come do a vocal for this compilation. I didn't know what they were doing. And um, I, was, I had a high-pitched voice at that point. I wasn't, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. the heaviest of smokers yet. Yeah. And they had me come in to do a song on this compilation album. They paid me 100 bucks. I went on about my business, right? <laughs> Um, then I decided that maybe I should have finished school, so I make my way back home, and I forget about the song and everything that had just transpired, and years later, come to find out the song was a freaking hit. No. I even remember hearing it on the radio. I was there long enough to hear it on the radio, so that was probably one of the dopest things, so Holy. I understand how an artist that puts out music feels when they hear, hear their on the stuff yeah. on the radio. I did that one time, and that's all I needed, just wanted the experience. Wow. Um, but the song became a hit. What was the name of the record? Uh, no Voy a Llorar. No. So it's not, not Gonna Cry. And it was on La Factoria, which was a compilation reggae album in Panama circa 1998. -ish. Wow. 
And the song you, was you, a hit. You did the hook or? No, I did the whole song. As a matter of fact, I did that song and I wrote two other songs on that project. Their songs were hits too. Could you could you give me the first 16 no, bars? because I can't sing. <laughs> I definitely can't sing now. Escure podcast, Court Rosenberg. I can talk it. We could talk it. I'm going gonna, gonna to try to wring this out of Manji. You're going to have to translate you know. it. <laughs> whole another language but yo that's so amazing <laughs> i'll give you the youtube clip so y'all go look yeah it. let's do that it's your podcast called rosenberg mind you we take a quick break come back and get, share you guys the youtube link as we <laughs> dissect the queen that's in front of me one that's funny you just go tell all my secrets huh? <laughs> i don't talk about okay. none what of this looking? shit anymore <laughs> yeah sure can we take 10 he has to charge his phone. Yeah. yeah so no shut down. All right, cool. SQR Podcast, Score Rosenberg. You know, getting ready to, you know, enjoy the rest of this conversation with you. I can't even say and begin because it's just been a meal that I just want to keep eating. Okay. I like that. And I use that because I'm being fed right now. You know, Royal Flush, one of the, the most interesting guests that we've had here, he said energy over everything. Absolutely. And the minute you've walked into this space, I felt your energy. You're vulnerable. You are real. You are open. All the characteristics that I understand are the ingredients why Manji is Manji. So I salute you, sis. Thank you very much. I salute much. you, queen. And I, you've made it very comfortable for me. So I enjoy good conversations. Thank you. And we could definitely continue this one. So we spoke about a little bit of everything. And there's three things I want to touch on before we close. Talk to me about your marriage. Where did you meet your husband? Okay, this is one of those military stints. Um, my kid's father, he's my ex-husband, um, I met when he was stationed in Georgia. Who saw who first? He saw me first. Of course he did. Yeah, he did see me first. I wish he didn't. No, I'm not going <laughs> to... Because your kids would be here. Yes, I do. The kids are amazing. <laughs> the kids would be here. Nah, you know what? Like I was telling you during yeah. the break when we were talking, that was an experience. A lot of people never have that experience. A lot of people will never say that they were married to somebody for 20 years, that they gave birth to three amazing children, that they, they had two decades of a life that fit for them at that time, and then eventually it didn't, you know? So um, I guess that kind of tells the story. I was with him for 20 years, married um, 19 and a half of them. We married pretty early. I was 18. Wow. Um, I had my daughter shortly after that. I had my two other kids about four or five years after that. So I was a very young mother. Um, he's military, so he deployed a lot. He was gone every so often. So I kind of got used to taking care of the kids and mm. everything on my own. Um, I guess that could be a good and a bad thing, I suppose, depending on who you talk to. For me, it was a good thing because it made me independent. Mm -hmm. So when it was time for me to 
have to make a decision like stepping away I wasn't fearful like a lot of women are a lot of women stay in abusive and, and bad situations because they're scared for that change the fact that my life changed every three years my entire life and the only stability and normalcy that I had was obviously my immediate family structure my mom my dad my two brothers and then to go home mm -hmm. New York Panama New York Panama New York Panama so that kind of kept but the culture and everything and then like I told you music is literally what tied everything together, together for me wow. you know so it was always a love for that so I did the reggae and then when I came back here I wanted to do the radio but at this point now I'm married I have these kids I have a regular life I have a regular job you don't chase dreams that's what society tells you oh, you're too old you don't chase dreams like that anymore so um I I expressed to him that I wanted to do radio he thought I was crazy he said, I don't want to deal with that lifestyle, and you wouldn't be on the radio anyway. You'll never make it. He told you you'll he never did. make it. Absolutely. Specifically those words. You'll never be on the radio. I am a Gemini, so we like, we like, uh, we like challenges like that. So I worked extra hard to make sure that not only was I on the radio, I wasn't on, I mean, I did work on smaller stations, obviously, leading up to... Uh, I went to school, I learned it, yeah. I went back to school as an adult and learned it, and I guess I'm skipping over, so let's go back, <laughs> let's go back so you don't miss that part of the story, but um, he couldn't deal with it, he told me that if I had, I had to choose one, he said, it's me, or it's that lifestyle, your radio, your what, concerts, what is a What is a radio lifestyle? Exactly, good question. No, it was the fact that um, I have a lot of friends that I guess are are pretty infamous okay. in the music industry okay. and um, he doesn't like that lifestyle and that lifestyle all comes with radio yeah, and does. broadcast it does. It and, does. and these are all my friends so now I'm, I'm constantly around all of these different people that this is their life and yeah. it looks real fun and colorful to me so now I'm, I get the itch to figure out kind of where I would fit in that world and I knew I didn't want to be an artist and you know I was miserable at the job I had, and I had this coworker. Um, his name was Chevis. He's a real cool guy. At that time, he was real zen, and I was not zen. I'm like Brooklyn zero to fucking 100. <laughs> I'm a, oh, I'm sorry, I can't curse. Of I'm course let, you can. I'm gonna let y'all have it. I've been holding it, so yeah. we are on radio now. The iHeart. Um, we could curse. Of course. Oh, okay. All right, cool. Like, look, good to know. Um, I was mad at work one day about something, and I did human resources at the time. I worked for the federal government. I yeah. worked for the federal government oh, for 15 such a, years. Such a straight Such a lace. straight job. Yeah, what the hell? You could not be any deviant of freaking anything else other than carbon copy, yeah. or they didn't like you, and they definitely didn't like me. So it wasn't a good experience. I didn't, mm. I was good at the job. I was, I'm good at any, I learned pretty fast, you know, yeah. so I will always pick up any trades or anything and human resources was okay you know i got to learn about laws and oh, different wow. things that now i need actually need to have knowledge about so again nothing was ever a waste of time i can't be mad at it but i knew i didn't want to do that forever so um so you're mad and chevy said what he says can i ask you a question and i was like i don't want to hear none of your zen bullshit <laughs> right now because i'm freaking pissed i like i'm over there filing a complaint against the company so this is me right now and here he comes was like, the Buddha. Here yeah, comes the Buddha. What did he exactly. say? Exactly. He was always like that. So I was always in his ass. And I was don't start that shit with me today, Chavis. Now, now I'm that person. Now I'm him. Yeah. You know? And he says to me, 
Can I ask you a question? Did he hit the gong first? He might probably <laughs> freaking didn't. I was so smoke blown out my head, I didn't want to hear it. And he says, can I ask you a question? And I was like, why not? Humor me. Yeah. I'm already fucking pissed off. He said, if you don't like this job, why do you do it? And I was like, I don't have a choice. That was my answer. I thought you were going to say, I told you not to be Zen-like. <laughs> <laughs> no, now I was curious as to where the hell he was getting with this bullshit comp so I could cuss him out at the end of it, you know? Okay, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So I was like, here we go. And um, he's like, if you don't like it, why do you keep doing it? And I was like, because this is what I'm supposed to do. I heard myself say these words, and I remember this to this day. This is what we're supposed to do, right? I got married. I had kids during wedlock like you're supposed to do. I stuck it out thick and thin. You know, I got a good federal job. I drive a nice car. I have good money. My kids are in health. My parents are good. I should not be complaining about life right now, except for I'm not happy. Wow. And he was like, well, if you're not happy, why don't you do something about it? And I was like, what the hell am I going to do? You know, and I was 33 at the time. I said, I'm 33 years old. I've got all these kids. Nobody's going to, you know, and then he said, okay, I got one more question. And Here I was like, go. oh, my God, what do you want? He says, if there was anything in the world you could do, money not a factor, what would you do? And I was like, what do you mean, for like a job? He was like, sure, whatever you want to call it. And I, I laughed because I knew I was going to come out and say some smart-ass shit because I'm a super smart-ass. And I was like, honestly, I said I would smoke weed and listen to music all day and talk cash shit on the radio. That's what I would do and get paid for it. And then I said, see, fantasy, never gonna happen. And I turned around and kept typing. But that question stuck with me for weeks after that. Like it became so insistent in my head. Like, why the fuck would he ask me that, you know? And then about three weeks later, I was filing another complaint against the damn job I was working at. <laughs> I promise you I was. This was such a regular occurrence for me. And um, that <laughs> so shit made me so mad. And I was so mad that day that I stormed out of the office and I went straight to the military radio station. I didn't call. I just I looked it up and I went because it was military station. And they were closed, but they had a button, and I pushed the button, and there was a guy that I knew he was on air because I could hear him on the radio. And he comes out, and I was like, I just want to ask a question. He said, okay, I'm on air. Come back tomorrow. You know, when I, I was like, no, no, no. Because if you tell me right now that it's not going to work, I don't even want to waste another minute thinking about it because it was bothering me, you mm. know? Like, shit, could Chevis be right? What if I could do something different, you yeah, know? yeah. So I said, do you guys do internships? He said, you're a little too old for an internship. And I was like, my age is really fun to fuck with y'all, isn't it? And um, I was like, I don't want to pay. I don't want any money. It's not for school credits. It's not for no. I just want to come in here and shadow you. I just want to learn. I just want to feel what it feels like to see if this is something that I might like to pursue later on in life. And he was like, okay, come back to tomorrow. Come back tomorrow. Ask the commander. And if she says yes, I'm game. And I came back the next day and I asked and she said yes. So I was like, um, I was their intern. So I would be on air with them in, in the afternoons and they would oh, ask wow. me little intern questions. And I felt so cool because I spent my whole life stop 
pause, record. Wow. You know, so now to be sitting in front of a mic and just looking at it like, shit, maybe this is something I could do. So I stayed with AFN almost two years um, while we remained at that duty station. And then time is up. Trying to, it's, time, it's time to move again, you know. And when we moved back to the States, I had a lot of decisions to make. You know, I was still in Europe at this time. Um, I didn't want to stay in that marriage. But that's a crazy risk to take when you have three small younger children mm-hmm. and no real stability because now that that would entail me having to give up that federal job and go figure out how to start over and do this mm-hmm. you know and he didn't want to support and we mutually parted ways um i worked on a couple of small stations first uh, i got fired off of both of them <laughs> <laughs> i told you i had an attitude problem <laughs> Got fired off the first one. The second one, I don't even know what the hell I got fired for that day. But That's in Colorado, funny. they could just fire you and you can't do shit about it. Because it's a Tuesday. Exactly. Yep, it's Tuesday. You're fired. <laughs> um, and then I decided I wanted to go learn it properly. So I took my ass back to school. Mm. And I went and learned radio broadcasting. And amongst that, I learned editing and videos and all kinds of colorful things that go in that world which uh, uh, now I needed I yeah, didn't exactly. think I needed at the time because yeah. I just wanted to do radio so I, w- I wish I would have paid more attention on the, all the other classes but it's cool so um, I graduated and after I graduated within about I'd say three months maybe uh, the top station in Denver the top hip hop station called and say hey we heard that you got a good sound bring an air check come in and check us out you know let, let us yeah, check yeah. you out so I went in with my really horrible, worst air check ever. Oh, oh my, my God, God, I still have it, and I cringe every time. Was, I, was, I don't was even, it an air check that was really from you being on air, or you no, produced it? No, it was, it? I produced it. Oh, my God, and it still sucked. It was horrible. I was so <laughs> upset. <laughs> yeah, that's nuts. It was so stupid. But he produced a horrible I air produced, check. Because I didn't know what the hell an air check was really. I mean, they teach you in school. Yeah. But unless you're on the radio and you know what this feels like, it sounds like, you want everything to be so perfect so at this point i'm over analyzing music and what it should sound like and the levels and everything because this is my first big opportunity i can't mess this up you know wow so it was a shitty air check i freaking commend um my program director his name was victor star uh victor star for taking a fucking chance because i would not have taken a chance (laughs) on me on that air check he said she has potential somebody help her out you know so they hired me to do weekends so i was doing friday nights saturday night street parties and um as the years went by i would do earlier shifts and then i'd fill in holidays and wherever people aren't you know and um i've been with that station four or five years now yo toast that program director for taking a chance freaking absolutely oh i appreciate him Mm. Mm. no that's okay it's amazing (laughs) because he him taking the chance has now brought Manji everything to everybody. But he saw something that at the time I probably didn't see. It was a very insecure moment in my life. And I think that's the part people don't share with people. I laugh because, you know, you introduced me literally as a lot of people see me as an influencer. Most people know I'm a radio personality. A lot of people know that, you know, my family is people like Redman and Method Man. And, you know, they concoct whatever life that I have yeah, in their true, head true. because it looks a certain way on, on social media, yeah. on 
TV, internet, radio, whatever. But they don't see the struggle behind it. You know what I'm saying? They don't understand the work that I had to, to put go, yeah. in, the sacrifice. When I was going to school, it was an hour and a half commute each way. I'm a single parent. I have to be back in the other city to pick up my kids on time to make sure that there are there was no buses. They didn't ride buses to school because I wanted them to go to another school because it was a better right, school, school in the yeah. district I was gonna I was living in at the time. You're you not know? getting any support so from I, the husband. No, so. nobody. So I make this sacrifice, and I balance. I learned to balance everybody. I'm not gonna say I probably cried most of those drives. It gets tiring. Imagine three hours a day commuting just to go to school, not even knowing if anybody's going to take that freaking chance on you. But I believed so freaking much that there was no way in hell I was going to fail. And I have not at all to this day. Like, everything is an experience or a lesson. So I'm not mad at the divorce. Um, he still he, he sees the kids. You know, they have a relationship. I would never keep him from them because that's not fair. Um, we're adults, we'll deal with with ours, you know, but I respected his decision and he's had to respect mine. Wow. You just dropped like seven jewels. <laughs> succession. It's in succession. My and life story. I, no, no, and as I listen to you, I, I, I keep going back to the first thing you said when we started talking. And it's like, I was, I'm okay with it. I'm open. And Manj, I got to tell you, but by the way, is that the first? Am I the first guy to, to, to shorten Manji to Manj? Only my family calls me that. So I consider you family if you call me that. Namaste. For sure. Only but Manj, let me, let me say this. The lane that you blazed, being married, fitting the norm, mm -hmm. to change, to go through the resistance of that change, <laughs> to the opportunity... Can I tell you this as a representative of all your friends hmm. and everybody around you? Thank you for taking that journey. Thank right. you for taking that journey. It doesn't No, thank feel you for taking like that, that journey. Though. It's so no, weird. But, but, but the reason why I did living. that is because you need to look at yourself through other people's eyes. Sometimes you need to do that. I think I'm really bad at that. Because somebody's you're watching so caught this. up in the in the hustle and bustle that you feel like not that you're failing, you know, I get a lot of texts, not texts, DMs from women, strangely enough, because I don't really get along with too many women. But yeah. a lot of girls DM and they'll say, like, it's so motivational what you're doing. You've given me hope. I'm so in love with this industry or what should I do about this? And I'm reading all these messages and I'm like, where, what do these girls think see, I'm doing? Because yeah. in my head, I'm over here trying to balance these three kids, <laughs> figure out how I'm going to help my National Cannabis Party family do this, launch this podcast over here with Carlos and my Urban Leaf family come do the, the, the podcast because I did launch a podcast. Yeah. I was furloughed during the pandemic, so yeah. I'm not currently on the radio right now. But there was a lot to balance, you know, and that's the part everybody think, doesn't see. I think the work. Um, okay, so I think what they see is the glamour. No, the fun. The the fact that you're doing it. Okay. You follow? You're yeah. taking action, and a lot of people are just like deers in the headlights. Hmm. And they don't know. People don't want to take the chance. They want to. Dropping another jewel. Ask your mm -hmm. podcast, Cole Rosenberg. It's such a pleasure to chop this up with you. And there's stuff that, I'm sorry guys, but everybody who has access to our 
audio files on all the audio platforms. There's some exclusive stuff you're going to capture because I left the audacity running. <laughs> For the guys who were watching this on the video, you saw what you saw, you caught what you caught. But as we get ready to wrap, I want to do this real quickly. Know that you're here, Manj. Could you share a little bit about your your passion now for the cannabis, the National Cannabis Party, mm. and your vision for cannabis awareness and who you're working with? This was fun. So I kind of got thrown into cannabis by accident. I've always been a consumer my entire life. So I've never hit it. I've never, uh, that causes problems sometimes, but I was always very vocal about um, how I felt about legalization, and I really never thought I'd even see the day, honestly. So wow. to be sitting here in the middle of this industry when I thought I would never see the day it was legal it was pretty amazing. Um, so radio, life changed for me 2020, like everybody else. Mm -hmm. They furloughed us from the radio, so uh, there's eight DJs, total on the radio station they kept three of them the three full-time and everybody else they didn't get fired thank god we didn't get fired like a lot of people did we got furloughed yeah. until further notice yeah. so we're still waiting and i miss it a lot hopefully we'll go back soon but um i knew i had to do something and i didn't want to go back to doing something normal i just spent all this time and all this effort yeah. <laughs> freaking doing this we're gonna figure this out so I, I decided like the podcast route, you know, and I never wanted to do a podcast because as you know, it's a lot of work and a lot of setup and a lot of edits and a lot of, lot of, Big lot shout of out to Manny. Big shout out to my boy, Matt. Big mm -hmm. shout out to the entire SQR team because we understand completely yeah. what you're saying. And I want to send love to, uh, to Trey and Cam because that's my team and without <laughs> them, I couldn't figure half of this shit out. So um, again, people don't understand what it entails. They think it's you sit down and you turn on a mic and you talk. That is not a podcast, yes. baby. Yeah. That is not the proper planning research the location you know so taking all of those things into consideration i knew i wanted to do a podcast but i knew i couldn't do it like everybody else i did not want to be the one hiding in a freaking closet with yeah. a damn recorder <laughs> no so being being a new yorker you know we're super extra and um i decided i was gonna i was gonna build a studio and I went looking for a studio looking for a studio couldn't find anything I was gonna give up and then uh, the penthouse is what we call it affectionately uh, cloud seven studios drops into my lap oh, literally nice. it's a penthouse overlooking Denver Colorado skyline Ooh. it's got 15 feet ceiling to floor windows Ugh. both ways and um, Blazy Susan love to Blazy Susan built a LED 11 foot table and um, I'm sponsored by a couple of different companies so oh. Sweet. Uh, everybody's come in. Wolfpack, Certified Magic, High Mile Exotic Limos, Mile High Jewelers. Oh, big. Um, they've all come in and kind of supported the project. So I was able to maintain that studio. And instead of releasing this, I decided I want to shoot the first two seasons off bat. So that's what I've been doing for a year. And I hear a lot of people say, oh, she failed. She didn't release it. I was like, no, I took my sweet time. Nice. And I did it how I wanted. So that's what brought us to cannabis. I knew I didn't want to do a music podcast because Denver is not a musical city. There wasn't enough content to sustain that. Um, I'm a mom, but I'm not a homemaker. 
my hobbies consist of music and weed, so I knew I had to be something in that realm. And then uh, I had a conversation with Redman, my big brother. He was big like, you man. live in freaking Denver. Go do a damn podcast about weed. You already yeah. know what to do. Go figure it out. Yeah. And that's what I did. I chose cannabis, you know? So at the beginning of this, it was cool because the concept was I just wanted to tell people stories, kind of like you're doing right now. Um, every episode is a different story about cannabis, everything from growers to, to people that have cured themselves of cancer. Mm. I've had uh, celebrities, Styles P has visited us, oh, Havoc wow. has visited us. Big shout out to Styles. Oh man, love. Uh, the Say lunatics have come through. I've had uh, Netflix personalities come through and cannabis chefs and just, we've had so much fun learning and meeting so many different people and telling these stories that are stories mostly of minorities that you wouldn't ever hear. Mm. Uh, Wanda James, probably one of my favorite episodes and she's a superstar in the cannabis industry. She's the first African-American dispensary owner. So the more I learned about all of this, you know, and then doing the episodes, I knew I had to be more involved, which is what brought us to the National Cannabis Party. Wow, mm -hmm. wow. And of course, you don't do anything half-assed. No. So now when you get connected with the National Cannabis Party, which we know co-founder Sapita mm -hmm. is in the spot and Redman's mm -hmm. founder, you got really hands-on with that. Absolutely. And you guys are really changing the landscape for minorities and educating. So I, I love everything about that. You know, as we get ready to close on this, you know, as the, the other energy force hmm. that was privileged to absorb your energy, I want to tell you thank you. Thank you. And all my guests, when I close, I give them the magic wand. Okay. Magic and stick. Yeah. Well, no, no, not the magic <laughs> stick. I keep the magic stick. All right. The magic wand. And I give you two wishes. Okay. However, one of those wishes cannot be for more wishes. Mm -hmm. All right? Okay. So don't try to play me. You got two wishes. Your first wish, what would you want? And I'm glad you're thinking about it because anybody who's blurted out something immediately, sometimes, you know, it's not really been on point. My wish is tattooed on my back. When Which my kids were really little, I had wrote a poem about them, right? It's literally my wish for them. That was my wish for my children. Which and I'll is, tell you what it says. It says, to God I pray for the refuge of my progeny so they may prevail with passion, endure through strength, and be unconditionally loved. And that is my first wish that my children receive just that wow. support love true love and just a good life which is what i'm trying to build for them so my first wish mm. is that my kids be good because mm -hmm. i've had a fun life you know what i'm saying wow. um i'm gonna keep having a fun life but if i had to make a wish i would wish that they would be good first and then my second wish hmm that's a hard one um, I don't wish for shit like money. Money always comes. It does. I don't wish for shit like travel because I go wherever the hell I want. You do. You know what I wish? But I'm already doing what I wish. I wish to live my life exactly as I wish and not have any regrets or problems doing so. SQR podcast called Rosenberg. That has got to be two of the most profound answers to that question of giving a guest. Thank you. Especially the fact that the last request was for you mm -hmm. to continue being free mm -hmm. and experiencing life. And to everybody who's watched this, an honor to hear this, take action. 
You got to. You see who's in front of me right now. She's done nothing but took action her entire life. Manj, it's an honor and pleasure. Thank you Thank so you much so for much being for here. Bong, 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 bong. This could have <laughs> gone on for another two hours, guys. I'm letting you know that right now. Mm. But I'm just going to be honored. Stay tuned. Manj, could you let them know where they could find you on your Instagram, your Facebook, yep. social media? One more time, please. Yep, let them know. Time. I'm Manji Reverie, M-A-N-G-Y-E-E underscore R-E-V-E-R-I-E. That's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and then the Mile High Sessions is the podcast. It's not released yet, but stay tuned. It's coming. It's coming. SQR Podcast, Score Rosenberg. Manj, one. One.